Worship wars over music sometimes divide congregations. Are we too picky about worship music? And there is a powerful unseen enemy who seeks to destroy believers. We'll discuss spiritual warfare. Also, we'll announce your gifts to tornado-devastated Union University and discuss the latest from the campaign trail. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I know the pundits, and I know what they say. Well, the math doesn't work out. Folks, I didn't major in math. I majored in miracles, and I still believe in those, too. Mike Huckabee is running for president of the United States. He won two out of the three primaries over the weekend. Some think he should drop out of the race, though, and give it over to John McCain. We're going to talk about that controversy in just a few minutes. But first, we have a major announcement Uniting with Union University. You'll remember our friends in Jackson, Tennessee at Union University suffered a major tornado hit last week. And the good folks at KCBI, Criswell College rallied together. And on Friday, we ask you to join with us, Uniting with Union University. And for three hours, we simply ask you to join hands and hearts with us. What could we do for Union? We have now the grand total announcement. Uh, What do you think it would be? Do you think it would be $10,000? Do you think it would be $20,000? Larry, I think we need a drum roll for this. All right, it's (laughs) $32,000. That's incredible, Penna, when you think about it. Just incredible that just in three hours, uh, our listeners would respond uh, with open checkbooks and wallets. And, um, and folks, that's just what has gone through on the credit card accounts. I understand there's some more pending. I've mm-hmm. heard from others today who say they're going to give. If you want to give and add to it, you can. KCBI.org. I'm going to be delivering that check on Thursday night to David Dockery, the president of Union University. But again, $32,000, the grand total. I want to thank Mike Tyrone and Lisa Cooper and Keith Mayo and John and Terry. I mean, there's just everyone over there at KCBI, part of this thing. Criswell College students also taking up an offering on Thursday in chapel. We've put all of that together, over $32,000, and it's going to be a real blessing. I think an encouragement to them that the folks down here in the Southwest uh, want to be a part 
of what's happening at Union University, rebuilding that campus. They've suffered 30 to $50 million in damages. So this will be money they can use right away with no insurance hassle. We're going to take that check up there on Thursday. Still, you can give if you want to go to kcbi.org. Uh, thank you, folks, for being a part of this great work. Penna, what else is up today? And people can still be a part of it, That's as you right. said, by going to kcbi.org. That's right. It's a real blessing to be a, a part of that, too. Well, here's a question. Are churches or church members too dependent on music style or music excellence? Another question. Is musical taste a good enough reason for a person to say about a church, well, I just can't worship here? Can a church or a believer strike a balance between traditional style worship music or contemporary music? We're going to discuss all all of this. It's a hot topic uh, in Christianity. We'll also take your calls. Also, Dr. Rob Randall will join us to talk about spiritual warfare. He's got a book out on the subject. It's called The Invisible War. That's later. All right. Who are you going to vote for as president? Uh, it's coming down to four candidates. On the left, we've got Obama and Clinton. On the right, we've got McCain and Huckabee. And Mike Huckabee won two out of three primaries over the weekend. He won Louisiana. He won the state of Kansas. And he lost Washington by less than 200 votes, it appears. But there is a controversy there. But people have been pressuring Mike Huckabee to withdraw. Here's his response. My goal is I'll stay in until I'm either completely defeated or until the convention has ruled me out. Okay, folks, it takes for the Republicans around 1,100 delegates to get the nomination. McCain's at over 700. Huckabee in the high 200s now, almost 300 because of his wins over the weekend. So McCain barely halfway there. Huckabee's saying, look, it's just too early for me to pull out. Now, meanwhile, everybody's piling on to support John McCain. And President Bush, very quick to say, look, I could support McCain. He's not a liberal. He's a conservative. Here's President Bush on Fox News Sunday. I know him well. I know his convictions. I know the principles that drive him. And no, my, no doubt in my mind, he's a true conservative. All right, a true conservative. Now, many people challenging McCain's conservative mm -hmm. credentials. Now, Penna, President Bush went on to highlight some hot-button issues. He's very strong on national defense. He's tough fiscally. He believes the tax cuts ought to be permanent. He's pro-life. I mean, he's, uh, he's, 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 his principles are sound and solid as far as I'm concerned. All right, that's the president. But Penna, you have your hand on the pulse of the conservative movement. What are the concerns about McCain? Well, people aren't all that excited about him, and, the, and most aren't calling him a conservative. Uh, of course, his national security credentials are pretty much unassailable. He was a POW, and he, so, he sort of thought about the surge before the surge was even in Petraeus's mind. But on other issues, for instance, he says that he supports keeping the tax cuts that President Bush put in that have done our economy so much good. But he opposed them when President Bush announced those. He's also... Uh, uh, introduced a bill with a Democrat, Joe Lieberman, to battle global warming, which will be a very expensive uh, fix. A lot of people were upset about the uh, amnesty immigration bill. He now says he wants a strong border before doing anything else. And then uh, he was part of the Gang of 14, which stopped uh, the Senate rules from being changed to get rid of filibusters, uh, which, in a sense, allowed some judicial nominees to be confirmed, but also stops some nominees from being confirmed. It would have been a really good change, uh, most conservatives think. So some of those things where the conservatives really got some opposition from McCain, now they have trouble swallowing him. Okay, so here's President Bush saying, look, I'm going to help McCain win over the conservatives. If John's a nominee, he has got some convincing to do uh, to convince people that he is a solid conservative. 
um, and I'd be glad to help him if he's the nominee. Okay, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, our senator from Texas, endorsed McCain today. Of course, she's no stalwart on some of these uh, conservative issues. But Gary Bauer supported McCain mm-hmm. today, and he, of course, is a conservative Christian activist. A real surprise that Bauer would, would support so early on. Um, but, folks, let's be reminded uh, what is uh, on the left. And I think that is important because Hillary Clinton is really scrambling right now um, to regain her front-runner status. Look, Barack Obama is ahead in delegates. He is ahead in states right now, and he's about to win some more states this week, and he's probably going to pull ahead in these so-called pledge delegates this week. He has more money than Hillary Clinton. He has more momentum than Hillary Clinton. Here's Hillary Clinton saying, you know, well, I'm polarizing, but uh, here's why I'm polarizing. I think it's because I have... uh been active on behalf of a lot of controversial causes like universal health care, like a woman's right to choose for many, many years. And that is who I am. Unity for the sake of unity. That's enough of that. Now listen, that's 60 Minutes. And uh, just yesterday, she was on 60 Minutes, and she said, I'm controversial because I've pushed for these agendas. Uh, Universal health care. Okay. Great. Very interesting. She said that and then went to the right to choose for a woman. Now, her, her health care program is called the Choices Program, but it's mandatory. You have to do it. So she's not for a right to choose on health care. But wait a minute. She is for a right to choose when it comes to killing an unborn child. A mm-hmm. right to choose. She's wearing that as a badge of honor and uh, goes on to talk about global warming and so forth. Uh, this was a real fascinating a soundbite about her and Obama. I put the picture in my office. It's still there. I look at Barack and Michelle and their daughters every day when I'm in my office. I'm sure she does. <laughs> she may be throwing darts or something or pronouncing a hex upon that that picture. But again, Obama surging. Uh, but let's be reminded, this is not about politics. It's about principles if you're a Christian. And Obama and Clinton both support abortion on demand. Both support special status for homosexuals and for homosexual marriage and so forth. And uh, both support huge tax increases and both support uh, really no limitation on illegal immigration of any kind. And at least McCain and Huckabee say and uh, are actually pro-life, and, um, but neither one of them are going to do a whole lot about illegal immigration. I read something uh, about NOW, the National Organization for Women Today, and how, uh, you know, they have an abundance of riches right now because they've got a female candidate to support, which is pretty exciting to them. But they also have a really uh, basically rabid, convicted pro-abortion candidate who couldn't even vote when he was in the Illinois legislature to protect unborn babies that were that survived abortions and give them medical care. So He supported infanticide right. by Obama. We'll talk about more in days to come. But again, Huckabee a hot topic, and we're about to talk about music in church. Let's let Mike Huckabee lead the way on the bass. All 
All right, that's Mike Huckabee at the Thomas Road Baptist Church playing bass guitar for the Praise and Worship Band. Is I'll Fly Away the kind of music you hear at your church, or is it Stamps Baxter, or is it the Baptist Hymnal, or is it Praise and Worship? What difference does it make? People have talked about the worship wars now for 10, 15, 20 years, but it's really music wars, according to a major article that was just written with us to talk about it is Dr. Denny Burke. He teaches New Testament and Greek here at Criswell College. And um, folks, uh, this is going to be a chance for you to weigh in. I want you to listen to this article that was just written, and Dr. Burke's going to talk about it. And right now, go ahead and just get ready to call in over the break. The number is 800-881-9270. Do you think that the worship music style is important, or is it the lyrics are the, that are the most important? 800-881-9270. Is music enough to cause you to join a church, or is music a good enough reason to leave a church? 800-881-9270. Dr. Burke, tell us about this article that was just written uh, by Greg Gilbert and your reaction. In fact, the, the, the article is called Against music. What do you think of that? Yeah, Greg Gilbert wrote this arg- this article, and you can read it at uh, ninemarks.org if you're interested in reading it, but it's called Against Music, and he sort of calls for a moratorium on music. Uh, <laughs> he, he did it tongue-in-cheek. He was saying, you know, I think the entire evangelical world ought to put a moratorium on any kind of instrumental music and just chant psalms in their worship services for the next 10 years. He's kidding about that, but what he's really trying to get at is to say that we've put too much emphasis in our churches on the music, the style of music that's played and not the content of the gospel itself, which should be the subject of these songs. And so much so that we even have a term to call the divisions over it. It's called the worship wars. And everybody knows what that's about. But really the worship wars, is just like you said, um, the worship wars is really the music wars. It's not so much the content of the gospel and the thing that unites us that people are divided over. It's the musical styles. And this is a tragedy. And Greg's point in this really insightful article, once again, you should read it at ninemarks.org. His point is that we've created uh, a whole generation of anemic Christians who are spiritually dependent upon excellent music. And their well-being is totally spent on and their feeling close to God is totally dependent upon their ability to hear excellent music. All right. So what we're going to do, we're about out of time here. As we listen now to a song that everybody seems to like today, Here I Am to Worship. You hear that, folks? You have to have that to feel like you've worshipped on Sunday. That's really the question. 800-881-9270. Is it right to leave a church just because you don't like the music? We're going to talk to Dr. Burke about that when we come back, what the New Testament says about it. People are already calling. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You know that song, perhaps you've heard it many times, perhaps you like to sing it, Shout to the Lord. Well, what about Amazing Grace, or Blessed Be the Tithe That Binds, or um, who do you like out there? Uh, do you like uh, some old group like Whiteheart or something like that? <laughs> or are, are you are you uh, the Statler Brothers, or, you know, what do you want, the cathedrals? What What's uh, what's important to you when you go to worship? And would you leave a church over music? Uh, article written by Greg Gilbert called Against Music. Dr. Denny Burke teaches New Testament and Greek here at Criswell College. Dr. Burke, again, your reactions to this article and to this trend of it's really music wars, not worship wars in church. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. The songs that you've played so far, the people who are on the cutting edge of the worship music uh, trend or those are considered old songs. They right. were new like five or ten yeah. years oh, ago. Yeah. They're all oh, yeah. they're all old now. It's, it's really hard to keep up, and that's really the whole thing. The musical styles change, and today they they change very rapidly, and that's why it's so unfortunate. I think from a new a New Testament perspective, to define worship as if it were a synonym for music, mm. um, and, and that's the way that things are. A lot of times, people say we go to church, we really like the worship. What they meant was we really like the music. Of course, the New Testament teaches that worship is so much more than that. It may include Prayer, that. preaching, giving. Oh, yeah. In terms of, first of all, what we do as a body when we gather corporately, the, you know, Acts 2, the apostles, I mean, the, the early church were gathering together, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer Doctrine. and to fellowship. And, and it has nothing to do with music. I'm not saying that can't be a part of it. But so many times Christians think of worship solely as Music and it's just not the case. Romans twelve one, worship is your whole presenting life. your body a living. It's sacrifice. your whole life, and then there are occasions, regular occasions, where we come together to do some things corporately. But it's never synonymous with music. Well, the fact is, though, people are leaving churches over music, and they're joining churches for music. Let's talk about it with some of our callers now. Let's go to Greg on the line. Greg, thank you for holding. What's your view? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, let me let my brain catch up a little bit. Um, at, at one point in time, you were quoting the article, and it was talking about excellence almost being as though it was a problem, um, and 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 music as though it's a problem. It, 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 it's almost the same as guns being the problem. They're simply a mechanism, and there's. I'm sure at, at Criswell, y'all. You teach music ministry and you teach musicians that they do what they do has power it has an effect music always has in scripture it, it refers to it um, it's unlikely that we're going to sit in heaven and listen to uh, ministers preach 
but there's a high Why do you say that? They're going to worship both with and without music. Matt Redman, one of the leaders in the cutting-edge worship music, um, probably experienced some of what you're talking about when for a year at his church they stopped playing music because he felt like it became the focal point. And they went a cappella for a year. This was at the height of his career. He's writing songs left and right. You've, you've probably worshipped him yourself many, many times. And so, I mean, you have a viable point that, that music can become the focus, but someone's up there leading it, and if music is the focus, it's the focus for them. That, All right, thanks so much. Purpose of leading. Let's get Dr. Burke to respond to that. What do you think, Dr. Burke? Well, I think that he's right. Uh, music is never an end within itself. It's a means to an end. When it's functioning properly in corporate gatherings of the church, it's a means to an end to focus us upon the gospel and upon the person and the work of Jesus. If it doesn't serve that end, it's a distraction. That's why the, both the content and the form um, have have a, a play a part in that. And uh, the content needs to be gospel-centered, Christ-centered. The form needs to be something that doesn't distract people to draw attention to the leaders or anything else, but something that draws attention to Christ. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with excellence in music. It's just that that can't be the end. You know, Psalm 33 says, play skillfully with a shout of joy. I mean, there's a command there in Scripture. Psalm 150 lists the instruments. There are many of those. Nothing wrong with excellence, but if, if, if it becomes just a performance and a focal point, that's a problem. Joe on the line from Dallas. Joe, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Uh, well, I, I'm not real sure what my view would be. I'm you have forward, a question. You have a question. Yeah, well, I think it's, that it's critical. I think a lot of people have been saved or drawn into churches because of the music. Um, I believe it's real important that you you usher in the presence of the Lord before you come in, which uh, we try to do before we go to church in the morning. Uh, You should have your alone time, and you should get ready to worship the Lord. But when you come together, uh, you should have corporate worship. And I I think some of the music that they're playing now is uh, is just great. It gets to people that, that have never been into church, and some people just think church is too stuffy. Hey, thanks, Joe. You know, Dr. Burke, um, I'm wondering if uh, when we repeat a song for 50 or 100 years, whatever the song, whatever the style, uh, it does become uh, automatic, maybe robotic, and uh, we're comfortable with those songs. We like them, we love them, but do we really think about those lyrics every time we sing? Is part of the appeal of the new songs that Joe's talking about the fact that you're thinking about new lyrics or singing them in a new way, and actually you might be engaging the Lord through these songs? What do you think of that? Well, I, you know, one of the things about the new songs is a lot of them are uh, utilize the first person in a way that perhaps other older songs don't do. So they're they're very expressive about uh, their uh, the worshiper's affections towards the Lord. The downside to that, not all the songs, but the downside to that is is they can have less of an em- emphasis on gospel content, which is, a, which is a problem because the focus of our worship is Jesus. It's King Jesus and redemption and what he's done for us. And one of the great things about the old hymns is they emphasize the work of Christ in redemption and God's work in behalf of us. Where that's missing, I say worship is missing. Um, no matter what you're saying in in the songs. Now, I don't 
I'm not discounting modern worship music at all. Um, I think there's great modern worship. I think there's great old hymns. I think there's bad old hymns, and there's bad modern worship. Uh, the worst of the modern sort of songs are the Jesus is my girlfriend songs. If you know, if you sang it somewhere else, it could be about a, a you know, a, a, a heartthrob or someone that you love that's not even Christ. You know, I think those those are the worst of those. What about Jesus is still all right with me? Well, yeah, you know, those kind of, or, you know, one of mine. Big do, house. Do Lord's not one of my favorite, you know, of the older ones. Um, you know, so there, if you want to compare these, you need to compare the best with the one group with the best with the other group. But um, it, it, the content should be. Content. Content is very important. Primary. Does it, does it direct our minds and our hearts towards God? And the form, does the form direct our minds and our hearts towards the Lord? You know, one of the new tr- one of the new trends that uh, I have seen is taking hymns and putting them to new music, and in a sense, that makes that new. And I, I find it uh, so uh, enlightening and and really um, helpful when hymns teach you doctrine. And I think that's important to go along with the service. But let's go to uh, David in Denton. Uh, David, uh, what do you think about this whole worship war issue? Well, I pretty much agree with what's been said so far. But to me, the point is that. When people go to see a concert, it's where they lose the importance of worship, where it's not, like you're saying, it's not just music, it's not just the preaching, it's all of it together. And if the worship leader is not engaging the congregation and helping lead them in worship, and that, that's where I think it becomes a huge problem for everybody. So we don't really want a show yeah, in our worship it services. Yeah, it's so much for entertainment value, but worship and what we're giving to God, not about what we want to sing, but what we're willing to do to present to Christ. Danny? Well, yeah, and, and I would just say, just I'm listening to the way that even we're talking about this now. So many times, even in this conversation, we've done what Greg Gilbert was pointing out. We use worship to as music. a synonym for for music. And just biblically, that just doesn't bear out. Here's a, here's a test question just for all of our listeners. We can't do this with everyone, but here's a question. Test yourself. If you had no music in your gathered assembly, could you worship? If the answer to that is no, then I would I would argue that you're not thinking biblically about what worship is. So that's really why he's calling for this moratorium. It's just to kind of help us focus on the fact yes. that worship is more than yes. music. Yes. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, we're taking your calls. Ryan is in Soxy. Ryan, thanks for calling. Soxy. Hey, thank you all for taking my call, and I just really appreciate uh, everything that you've been saying so far. Uh, I'm a music pastor, and uh, one of the things that concerns me and uh, it, I think it's people don't even realize they're saying it but they'll come up to you after the service and say you know I really liked the music or I didn't like the music or I wish that we did this or I wish that we did that and and I think uh, part of the side effect of a, a consumer mentality music industry is that the music that we use in worship has become so consumer oriented that it becomes really about us when the reality of worship is that it's really about God and that we hey, Ryan, we, we have to stop there. I hate to cut you short, but we're up on a hard break. Dr. Burke, your reaction to that insight? No, I think he's absolutely right. We, uh, we're not picking churches or selecting what's a good and a bad church based on the doctrine preached or the message preached. But does it you know, fit my fancy in terms of what I prefer in music? And I would just argue, biblically speaking, never let a musical style be a deal breaker for you when you're looking at a church or thinking about staying at a church. Don't ever let it be that. Let it be the gospel preached. Is this a gospel preaching church? And, you know, frankly, the last two, three churches I've been in, 
They don't do my particular style of church, but that's not a deal breaker for me. Dr. Denny Burke teaches New Testament and Greek here at Criswell College. In the fourth segment today, I will be speaking about three kinds of music that are allowed in church. There are only three kinds, only three kinds of music mentioned in the New Testament that can be used in church. Stay tuned for the fourth segment, and I will talk to you about those three kinds of music Once again, we're celebrating $32,000 raised for Union University. Thank you, KCBI audience. And this is Matt Redmond. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The day that we no longer have moral clarity is the day that we will have to have increasing levels of government and law to restrain us because then our own consciences will not. All right, that's Mike Huckabee. He's running for president of the United States, and he's talking about the importance of um, moral, spiritual, ethical uh, integrity and clarity, and uh, if the church, if the Christians, if the body of Christ are not able to maintain that kind of clarity, then you have to rely on the government to maintain order, to prop up the culture, and you don't want big government telling people how to live. Well, the Bible says, of course, our main battles are not political, but spiritual. Spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What does that mean? The invisible war. It's here. And with us to talk about it is Dr. Rob Randall. He is an evangelist. He is a member of First Baptist Church Dallas. He has written a book, The Invisible War. Welcome, Dr. Randall, to the program. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. So good to speak with you. Dr. Randall, what do you mean by this phrase, The Invisible War? The phrase, The Invisible War, is taken from the teaching of the New Testament. The Bible clearly teaches that there is an invisible, supernatural world that is as real as what we see around us. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Bible teaches us in Colossians that there are two opposing spiritual kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Christ, God's beloved Son. And the Scripture also teaches that there is a real devil, real demons, real angels, real spirits, holy and unholy, and this spiritual war would continue until Jesus comes. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We're talking to Rob Randall. He's written the book, The Invisible War. Dr. Randall, this is Penna Dexter. I so appreciate the book. And I want to ask you, what advantage, because uh, you talk about these invisible, uh, this invisible war that's taking place, uh, sort of spirits of darkness. What advantage does the believer in Jesus Christ, someone who's a saved Christian, have over the unbeliever in this war? Well, of course, the believer has the right to be free. He has the legal right in the finished work at Calvary bought for him. He has the right to walk in freedom. It's not automatic. We have to appropriate it by faith. Uh, In fact, the attack of the enemy, since Satan, all of this world, 
it is the believer, it is the church that is Satan's main target. But uh, there, you say there's an advantage. How do you fight this war as a Christian if you feel like there's a spiritual attack going on in your life? Well, of course, we have been given armor. Uh, the armor mentioned in Ephesians 6, and uh, this armor represents, I believe, two things. Number one, it represents where we are most vulnerable to the attacks and the flaming missiles of the evil one. And it also, I believe, each piece of the armor represents Christ. It is in our union with Christ that we are more than conquerors, and only in that union with Christ. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn Extra. We're talking to Dr. Rob Randall. He's written a book, The Invisible War, and it's really about spiritual warfare, the tactics, the strategies, and the reality of that spiritual warfare. Now, Dr. Randall, you know, I come from a Baptist tradition, and people talk about the security of the believer, and uh, a lot of Baptists are really uncomfortable even acknowledging that Christians might have to do battle with demons or be influenced by demons. Certainly, many would say, well, you can't be possessed by a demon. You talk about this concept of saved but not safe. And I'd like for you to elaborate a little bit on that. What do you think uh, the risks really are to the Christian uh, by demons, from demons? Are we, uh, as Christians, vulnerable to demonic influence or even demonic possession? What's your view on that? Well, of course, the word possession always connotates ownership. And with the believer, we're not talking about ownership. We're talking about influence for the sake of control. And it is at this point where much of the confusion rests in the church about spiritual warfare. The Bible says in many places that Satan or the devil is the prince or ruler of this world. Once again, one only has to look at our churches. Uh, As a former denominational worker, a fourth to a third of all of our Southern Baptist churches cannot find one person to win to Christ every year. And one only has to really look at our children and the bondages that they are in to see how effective Satan has been. I believe that it is the believer that's the primary target. The word in the New Testament for that's translated possession is actually demonized. And all it means is one who has or had a demon. There's a demonic assignment. And, of course, we've seen failure in the church upon failure in the church, and we see how effective Satan has been. Dr. Randall, of course, earlier you talked about some of the weapons we have, and they're described in uh, the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. And, you know, the first one, of course, you're talking about the girdle of truth, and also talks about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. So, you know, I guess uh, my question is, just to be prepared for these battles, the Word of God is is key and crucial, isn't it? It is. And every major denomination, as we so well know, has been fighting and has struggled over the authority of Scripture. I believe this is a spiritual issue. This is not a political issue. It's not about who signs the checks or who's in charge of the boards, it ultimately really is a spiritual issue. For if you take the sword of the Lord, the word of God, out of the believer's arsenal, he's already defeated. Okay, one more question, because we can blame a lot of things on Satan and the demons that should be blamed on sin. How do we discern there? 
Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I believe that sin or our flesh is the avenue demons travel. They do not make a sin, but what they do is they exacerbate and exploit our unwillingness to believe and trust God to their evil purposes. Dr. Randall, um, let me ask you this, because I think a lot of Christians are longing for revival and awakening, renewal. Um, what is the link between true revival and awakening and this uh, invisible war? I believe, Dr. Johnson, with all of my heart, this is my heartbeat as an evangelist, as you know. Our family has been serving Southern Baptist churches now for over 100 years in evangelism. The greatest need in the church today, we would all agree, is revival. We see the picture of true revival in Malachi 3, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. One only needs to study the genuine history of revival movements and spiritual awakenings to recognize that there was always in the power of the Spirit of God that fell a conflict between the two kingdoms. And I believe with all of my heart that until we, as the body of Christ, are willing to open up our closets, and as Bertha Smith, who was a part of the Shantung Revival, used to tell us in the seminary, boys, if you really want the power of God upon your ministry, go home and make a sin list. We need to confess our sins. We need to come clean. The Bible says that they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. We need to make sure that our relationship with Christ at Calvary is settled. We need to walk and live in the truth, for you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. All of our secrets need to be born out at Calvary. And thirdly, we need to learn. And boy, this is the hardest part of it. This is where we usually lose the battle for revival. We need to humble ourselves. Because God still resists the proud, but he gives his grace, his gifts, to the humble. Dr. Rob Randall has written the book, The Invisible War. You can get this book at the Lifeway Bookstore in downtown Dallas at First Baptist Church. It's also at Mardell and Berean Christian Bookstores. You can go to robrandall.org. That's robrandall.org. Dr. Randall, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. And may I also invite your listeners to a book signing March the 9th, the yes. second Sunday night in March, following the evening service at the First Baptist Church. All right, Dallas. that's March night, March ninth, Sunday night, First Baptist Church, Dallas. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Doctor John. All right, folks, and I just want to say to you that um, it's very important to know the New Testament says we're not ignorant of his devices. Speaking of Satan, of the devil, that is that there is a spiritual warfare, and there are different tactics and strategies depending on what the opposition. You know, uh, if you're struggling against the war, world, the Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, the world system, the world's way of doing things. If you're struggling with the flesh, the Bible says flee the flesh, flee fornication, flee youthful lust, flee, flight, run, get out of there like Joseph. 
But if it comes to the devil, it's not faith and it's not flight. It's fight. The Bible says resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's where you've got to have this whole armor of God that you read about in Ephesians 6. Uh, This book would help you know how to do that. The Invisible War with Dr. Rob Randall. When we come back, there are only three kinds of music, I think, that are permitted in a New Testament church. We're going to talk about that. We've talked about these worship wars. Once again, $32,000 raised for Union University. Thank you, KCBI listeners. And uh, thank you so much for what you've done, your generosity. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right. Some excitement, and that excitement is this. $32,000 you gave to Union University Friday on KCBI for three hours. We ask you to pray, to give, to support the good people at Union University Christian College there in Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee, devastated by the tornadoes, $40, $50 million of damage, and you came together. Criswell College students and KCBI listeners want to thank you for that. We're still processing some of those gifts. You can still give if you want to at kcbi.org. But the grand total we announced today, $32,000 plus. I'll be hand-delivering that check on Thursday night up there at Union University. Let's celebrate this amount. All right, there you go. Now, Pena, uh, we're going to talk about really the role of music. And uh, I don't think you heard the saber dance in your church lately. But there's a variety of of styles and kinds of music, genres that the New Testament speaks of. I think there are only three. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, we're hoping to have Dr. Burke back How about to do music that's so loud with so much rhythm that you can't hear the words. Exactly. And uh, we had an email that just came in from Lakewood from a guy named Chris who says, you know, really, the style cannot be separated from the content. I think that's a very interesting comment. Marshall McLuhan said, you know, the medium is the message years ago. The medium is the message. And uh, he talks about, uh, Chris does, about how 
that uh, some of this music seem, seems almost sensual. And Dr. Burke talked about that, that some of these things we're singing about Jesus or about God or the Holy Spirit, you could sing to someone on a date. They wouldn't know the difference. Are you talking about God or your date? So we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we are in a hot political season right now. It's really intense. We're down to two on the left, two on the right. And uh, give us your analysis. Well, you know, every time we open up the phones, we still have listeners who say I'm for Mike Huckabee uh, and I'm not jumping on the John McCain bandwagon yet. Yet when you look at the math and Mike Huckabee mentioned the math and miracles, really, he couldn't win uh, enough delegates to win the nomination uh, during this primary process. But what he can do is he can keep McCain from getting to 1,191 delegates, which is where he has to get in order to seal the nomination. So this can keep being fought out right up until uh, the Republican convention in St. Paul, Minnesota in September. And so, you know, people have to decide where they want to go. Do they want to all of a sudden... uh, jump on with someone they perhaps don't agree with, or here in the state of Texas, I mean, we've been preaching that you should get involved in your primary. Yes. And there is a primary in Texas in on March 4th, uh, and that's where most of our listeners are right now. So, you know, we're not going to tell you what to do, but we've got to tell you that uh, you can still make a difference in this race on the Democrat side and the Republican side. Neither one is sealed or set yet. They used to talk about what was called a brokered convention. We haven't had those in years, but it's essentially when none of the candidates at the convention have enough when they to get, win it when they outright. Get there, yeah. And so they have to make deals. And yes, it's almost impossible. I mean, if Huckabee won every race right now, he would barely be at the 11th. He's not going to win all of them. Right. But he can win enough to keep uh, – if, if he just wins half of them, if he does what he did this weekend – for all the future races, uh, John McCain will not have the nomination when he gets to the convention. And if you added Huckabee and Romney and maybe some others, uh, at least John McCain would have to move over to the right a little bit. McCain doesn't support an amendment on abortion to the Constitution. He doesn't support an amendment to the Constitution on marriage. But uh, perhaps he could be moved to the right on that issue or with his vice presidential nominee. And um, so... There's a reason for Huckabee to stay in until McCain wins them all. Interesting, Paul Weirich endorsed Huckabee today. Uh, we mentioned Dr. Dobson endorsed him two or three days mm-hmm. ago. We'll continue to follow this story. You stay tuned. Let me also mention that Dr. David Cook of Oxford University will be on the line Wednesday night to talk about hot ethical issues. He's a bioethicist. We'll probably talk about cloning and stem cell research. You don't want to miss Dr. Cook on Wednesday night. Tomorrow, Al Jansen from Open Doors International will be talking about um, persecution of the church and of missionaries. Also, Ann Hedinger, pro-life, pro-family leader in Texas on tomorrow night. So we've got a full week. We've asked Dr. Burke perhaps to come back on Friday. We'll see if he can do it and host the show on Open Line Friday on the topic of music and these music wars. But since I'm not going to be here Friday, I'm going to weigh in right now. And I mentioned there are, I think, only three styles allowed in the New Testament or described for music. People say, oh, it doesn't matter what kind of music you have. Well, here's what Paul says. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Wine makes you a different kind of a person if you drink too much of it, and you're transformed. And Paul says, no, be transformed by the Spirit. Transcend the natural, the filling of the Spirit. 
But then he says, speaking to one another in psalms, one kind of music, hymns, another kind of music, and spiritual songs, a third kind of music. Singing, so singing is part of this. Definitely, it's not just playing. It's singing and making melody. Singing and making melody in your heart, from the heart to the Lord, giving thanks. And there are many other things said there. But three kinds of music, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I say these are the three kinds mentioned in the New Testament. Really, I would say it's, it's limited to these three. Well, what are they? Psalm is just what it sounds like, the psalms, the psalmos in the Greek. And that has to do with the Old Testament psalms. The 150 chapters in the book of Psalms are songs that the Jews sang when they went to temple and went up to worship. And the New Testament church would sing these psalms. And we have some good um, psalters out there. There are denominations that still sing from the psalter. And I do think we've moved away from that as Baptists and Evangelicals, and it's probably too bad that we have, because that is that is a New Testament category of song, the psalms. We do have some psalms that we sing. We just don't recognize many of them as the deer pants for the water. Now, that's a psalm. Well, the second category, the hymnos, the hymns. What are these? These are formal worship songs with verses and refrains and stanzas that repeat. And in the New Testament, evidently, these Christians composed formal songs with uh, verses and uh, refrains and so forth that might repeat. And by the way, in the New Testament, you can find some of these songs in uh, books like Colossians and Philippians. Uh, You'll notice in your Bible there's some indentions, and these were songs that were sung in the New Testament church. The final category is spiritual songs, spiritual songs. And you know what that means? Guess what? Any old song that's about God or how he's blessed you, or your testimony. It really means anything set to music that it's about what God has done in your life or about what you think of God or what the Bible says about God. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Really, it's wide open, but making melody in your heart. They should be melodious, and that probably rules out some of what's out there today. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pentadexter. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.